This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hey guys, this is former WCW superstar Glacier. You're listening to THN with Joe and Matt. With Joe and Matt. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Cigarette at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 483 of the Two Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. My name is Matt Baum. Hey, and uh, it's me, the internet's Joe Patrick. Hey! <laughs> Each Each week, Matt and I use the power bestowed on us by the ancient ziggurat we discovered to help you make informed comic book purchases while forcing our opinions clear up into your ear holes. Gross. In this episode, Joe and I review Isola, number one, and the return of Marvel's Exiles. Then it's clobbering time for eight more comics during the ludicrous speed round. After that, we're going to visit the THN Sanctum Centaurum. We'll discuss our must-read picks for next week. And finally... Our Take a Look, It's in a Book segment returns. Joe and I are going to sit down and review Mean Girls Club from No Brow Press. Welcome to THN 483, and I hope you survive the experience, nerds. But first, we got to talk about this week's... Nerd News! Nerd News. Well, Matt, are you ready to unpack all of the one announcement that came out of C2E2 last weekend. Yeah, they literally didn't announce shit. <laughs> they talked about, they just talked about stuff that we already knew was coming. Yeah, it's crazy. But we did get one good announcement. Okay. That is a new Catwoman series coming from Joelle Jones. She'll be writing and drawing with colors by Laura Allred. Ooh. And that is going to come out on July 4th, the same day as Batman 50. The wedding that Matt thinks isn't going to happen. No, I didn't say I didn't think it was going to happen. I said I think it's stupid. It's going to happen. In the series, Selena Kyle learns that a new criminal Catwoman is operating in Gotham, and she sets out to stop her. Uh, The solicit uh, says basically the same thing. Yeah. Uh, So this is coming from the office of newly named Batman group editor Jamie Rich. That's awesome. Yeah, who worked with uh, Joelle on... What is the name of that book? Lady Killer. Yes. For Dark Horse. Lady Killer. I think it's just an yeah, A. Yeah, uh, Lady, Lady Killer. <laughs> Lady Killer. I think this is great. I think I think Catwoman is a, a great character when done well, and she can definitely support her ongoing series. They keep they keep trying. Well, she's an I, underused character, and it's almost like every time they've tried, they've tried too hard to give her like some aspect of the character that we haven't seen before or some twist on her story and we don't need it she's a strong enough character that you can just tell Catwoman stories and as long as you have a talented artist like Joel Jones who by the way that image we got of Selena Kyle was so sexy and awesome and oh. she's a she's a phenomenal artist yeah Joel Jones is super talented and there, there's just no reason to do anything weird just tell me a good Catwoman story street level right, like- Catwoman being Catwoman I'm totally in on the Batman periphery. You know, let's do it. Whether she's, you know, I, I kind of like the Catwoman with a heart of gold, where she, yeah, she'll she'll do some thieving, but she's not like a murderer. She's not she's not <laughs> going to Arkham anytime soon, right? And but, like, what was our favorite it, Catwoman storyline? It's Ed Brubaker's Far and Away. Yeah, 
Brubaker, Cook, Cameron Stewart. And like, that, was that was just a, a, like, run. a pulp noir detective Catwoman, and it was fan friggin' tastic. Yeah, I love it. I, I'd like to recapture that. Um, but yeah, like you said, they they keep trying to put these twists on her character. Like the last time I read her, last time I checked in on her book, she had been made the head of some crime family, and she was trying to juggle that, like trying to steer this mob away from like being too terrible. It's like this is not working. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just get get back to basics. Yeah. Tell me a good Catwoman story. I think this is a great creative team, and I'm excited for this. Yeah, unless she's married. Then I don't care. Joe Patrick, coming from our elder abuse desk, which I didn't even know we had, amid troubling allegations that Stan Lee has been subjected to elder abuse, filmmaker Kevin Smith has invited the 95-year-old comics legend to live with him in what can only be a bid for another reality TV show starring Kevin Smith. When Smith suffered a massive heart attack in February, one of the first things he did was reach out to Stan Lee on Twitter. Smith expressed that he missed Lee, who had a memorable cameo in his 1995 comedy, Mallrats, which I would argue was probably his last good movie. He said last month that all of the phone numbers he had for Lee no longer work and invited him to live in his home. <laughs> well, look, I mean, this is not funny. This is serious well, shit. It's, I'm not saying it's not funny, but there's weird shit going on because, okay, so Stan's wife of seven years passed away last December, and then his Lee's daughter, J.C. Lee, and others have been accused of abusing him since then. One of Lee's associates has been accused of stealing 300 grand from his bank account and using $850,000 of his money to buy a condo. The same person is alleged to have forged an order for a nurse to draw several vials of Lee's blood, with a recent report suggesting it was used to create ink to sign comic books. Yeah, it's that's the, the worst. The, uh, yeah, it's so gross. <laughs> it's like they're literally milking him. But then on Thursday, Lee appears in a video like absolutely denying all the allegations, saying it's bullshit, and even threatening to sue people. And the video was released to TMZ is prominently marked as property of Kia Morgan, one of the primary targets of the accusations. Morgan has previously released the videos in which Stan has offered statements of support for Morgan and addressed other aspects of the claims of abuse. Are they holding him hostage? Like, that, like it, seemed, it sounds to me, like in the video, he seemed to have his faculties, but... Like, it seems to me that, like, the only thing missing from that video where he, quote-unquote, strongly denies these accusations is him holding up a newspaper with right. today's date on it. Yeah. Proving that he's alive. <laughs> and if we don't stop talking about this, they're going to saw his head off on another right. video, you know? I, I, it's it's really messed up. It's if this is really going on, weird, and the thing is, is, that, is that nobody can figure it out. Like, oh, I don't understand, like, what what does it take to have somebody not related to the family, go into that house right? and say, hey, what's up? This reminds me of like that uh, Richard Simmons stuff where his family thought he was being held hostage by his housekeeper for like two years. And he, <laughs> yeah, was, like, and he, just, he, and he was like, yes, I am. And then he's like, no, I'm not. Everything's fine. Like, no, I'm, I'm being held hostage. Like, we didn't know. We still don't know. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't mean to laugh it, about it, but this is fucking bizarre. <laughs> it is. And I mean, it's... Say whatever you want about like Stan and how he treated his collaborators and blah blah blah. This is not about that. This is about like an old man right. being exploited for his fame and money. For money. Yeah, right. And like the dude he appeared at a con uh right around the time these allegations started to swirl up. He had to have help 
remembering how to sign his own name. Well, he's fucking 95, you know? No, but it's not like, it wasn't that like people have seen Stan at conventions, even in, even in his later years. And he has not been like that. Like he was out of it. He, he had trouble remembering his name. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. So I don't know like if he's sick or, or what, but like all of this is just too mysterious to not be investigated and I just don't know how you'd go about it. It's not like there's proof of a crime. Right. It's I yeah, this is awful. It's just though. it's sad and it's scary and yeah, it's it's it hard to happen. watch too. Jesus. Right. All right. On a lighter note. Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey's sci fi series Injection is being developed as a live action TV series by Universal Cable Productions. This news comes from the Hollywood Reporter. Oh, oh, Jordi Belair is also noted as a co-creator. That's yes. good. Uh, so I I have a hard time wrapping my head around what exactly Injection was about, but here's like the tagline. Oh, I love it. Once upon a time, there were five crazy people, and they poisoned the 21st century. That is the solicit for Injection Volume 1. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Injection is the story of five mad geniuses trying to save us all from themselves. Uh, it's a great book. And I think it would make a great series. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Warren Ellis has had bad luck trying to get things made into TV shows. Well, it's tough, especially when they're as brainy as what he does in comics. Now, I would argue something like Injection. If you were a Black Mirror fan, you would love an Injection TV show. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the idea is right there. It's technology run amok. It's human psychology. It's how we deal with these bigger ideas like AI and the internet and where it's going. And these investigators know, I mean, they're brilliant and they know how terrifying this stuff really is. And they're doing their best to keep it away from everybody basically. And they unleashed it on accident to fight what they thought was even a bigger threat. Injection is so wonderful. It's such a great book. And I would love to see this book make it to TV. That'd be awesome. The good news is that this is not uh, Universal Cable Productions' first uh, rodeo with comic book stuff. Mm -hmm. They produced uh, the Happy live-action show on Sci-Fi. Which is really good and completely nuts. They're making the Umbrella Academy series for Netflix. Uh, They also have a ton of properties that they've optioned, like Paul Chadwick's Concrete. Yeah. uh, Dreadstar, which was that book I was talking about last week. Yeah, dude. With the dude with the sword axe. Uh, Harrow County, uh, Wicked in the Divine. I don't know how you make that shit into a show. No shit. Uh, but Harrow County would make a terrifying show. Oh, yeah. It'd be perfect. So I think that this could happen. And I think it's it would be like effects heavy, really heady, like you said, Black Mirror-esque. Well, we're already uh, seeing, and I think it's mo- awesome. We're already seeing more and more of that stuff, too, with like – if you want to start with Netflix, just their altered carbon, the new lost in space that they're doing, people are investing money in highbrow, really good effects sci-fi. And oh, dude, people yeah. are watching it. And this would be a little more down to earth, honestly. A little. Because it like, takes place pretty much modern day. So it's well, not yeah, like we're but it in does outer have space. Like, you know, tears in the space-time continuum. Oh, no, there's, like, fantastic shit going on, sir, sure. But but it's people in plain clothes. This is absolutely doable, and the climate right now for television like this, where it could be as smart as it needs to be and as heady as it needs to be, I hope they do this, and I hope they do it right. Yeah, and like you said, like, I watched the first episode of that Lost in Space last night. It was Not only was it good, but it looked gorgeous, like a movie. I have not watched that yet. I definitely want to. It's, like... 
like you said, people are hungry for this sort of thing and studios are willing to shell out the bucks for it. So there's your nerd news and analysis for this week. Be sure to head over to the THN forums. Let us know what you think about these stories, all the crap we said, and everything we missed. You can find them by heading to twoheadednerd.com, and then you just click on that little forum button right there. It's review time in the ziggurat. This week, Matt's doing a new comic, and I'm doing one from last week. I don't know why you felt like you needed to point that out in the script. Uh, I was upset. (laughs) Hey, it's your own fault. Nope. Before we travel back in time, Matt, why don't you tell us about the return of one of our favorite X titles, The Exiles. That's right. I'm reviewing Exiles number one from Marvel. It's written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Javier Rodriguez. It is 32 pages for $3.99. And here is your solicit. Introducing the all-new Valkyrie. Don't blink. The Exiles are back. Fan favorite X-Man Blink once joined a team destined to save not just the world, but the entire multiverse. And now her teleporting talents are needed once again. When a mysterious threat begins eating away at the fabric of the multiverse, the unseen, the man once known as Nick Fury, who now can only observe Earth from a lofty post on the moon, must recruit a champion to save it. But she can't do it alone. Who will join Blink's new team? And can they ever go home again? Full disclosure here. I was a gigantic fan of the 2001 Marvel Exiles run written by Judd Winnick. So when I saw the Exiles were returning yet again, I admit I was already excited. Here's what sucks. Those old Judd Winnick Exiles books are not in print. You have to go find back issues if you want to read them, which is too really? bad. Oh. I can't believe they didn't put that shit back in print right when this came out. It, I mean, come on, guys. The premise hasn't changed much. Once again, we have a team of multiversal characters sent on missions throughout the Marvel multiverse, solving problems, right and wrongs. It's like Quantum Leap with mutants, inhumans, and Asgardian angels. With that said, here we only meet the first few members of the team, Blink, Iron Lad, and Khan, who is an aged, angrier version of Kamala Khan, the young, plucky Miss Marvel. Javier Rodriguez isn't the first artist that I would think of for a dimension-hopping comic, but he's wonderful here. I've loved his clean lines and his cartoonish style for years, and he honestly brings more life and character to Blink than I can ever remember seeing. I really enjoyed Blink in the old Age of Apocalypse where we met her, but I was a dumbass kid back then. And I loved Blink in the Exiles, but we really didn't get any time for character, so we just know she hops around and she's got a mouth on her. They introduced Blink here in Latin America, visiting relatives, and honestly, I did not even know she was Latin American. <laughs> I had no clue. Well, neither do I, and I think that that is something that they have added because yeah. well, I think she, she was, was basically a blank slate. Yeah, there was like nothing there. She was just a pink character with a diamond on her head that could teleport for some reason. Because of her mutant powers, Matt. Yes. Rodriguez's paneling is action-packed, and it works perfectly with Ahmed's script, which is a lot of setup. There's a godlike version of Nick Fury in chains on the moon directing the team. I don't even remember Dumb. why that happened, to tell you the truth, or where it happened. Uh, that was from the original Sin event where it revealed that Nick Fury killed the Watcher. No, I remember that, but did he end up in chains as like a Watcher at that point? Yeah, that okay. was like his punishment or whatever. All right. Here they've got an intro blink. They drop her into the story where she meets Khan and Iron Lad, who I have missed, and I didn't even realize it. There has to be a lot of setup here, and it's handled very tastefully in true exile style. 
The issue isn't going to challenge any first issue team book norms, but it was a lot of fun to read and doesn't feel bogged down in current X continuity. The latest Exiles seems like a palate cleanser for those who've lost interest in the X titles but still want to have fun with their comics. I'm giving this a buy it. Yeah, I liked it. It was a little different than I was expecting. Like, I almost felt like Blink's voice seemed off to me, but that's because she didn't really have a backstory of her own other than she was raised in the hell pits of Apocalypse's Earth by Sabretooth. Right. And so she didn't really have a backstory, like nothing about her family and her backstory. And to see her in, uh, you know, in plain clothes, just like casually talking with this woman, it was an adjustment. Yeah. But I liked the personality that they infused her with. Definitely. What's that? I said it caught me off guard, but I liked that. I didn't realize we've never done that with this character. (laughs) Right. And, you know, there's a this is a small spoiler, but like. She's from an alternate reality, obviously. So this isn't really her aunt. It's uh, it's who her aunt would be. Like there was a blink, right? There was a Clarice Ferguson on the six one six Marvel Earth, but she died, like right off the bat in the in one of the last storylines before Age of Apocalypse. I just thought it was really sweet how this aunt from an alternate reality embraced this girl that wasn't really her her niece. It was uh, touching. Yeah, the team building is good. It moves a little slow. Like we only meet three people on the team. Yeah. And, but, and in the solicit, they're like, meet the new Valkyrie. Like, no, not here. <laughs> right. But I like, like where they're headed. And I like the team members that are going to join the team. Like they're going to add the, uh, a version of Peggy Carter that became Captain America, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. And this like weird little chibi cartoon Wolverine, like you, from the X babies or something. No, you know what it is. It's Scotty Young's X baby Wolverine. Fun. Yeah. I just, this is a this is a great concept, and it's a great chance to take characters that we know and spin them in a different way, and I love how they do it here. Yeah. I'm giving this a buy it as well. Uh, oh, the last page where you find out what the big threat is also kind of gave me goosebumps. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, definitely a fun book. When, it, when the team gets fully formed, I think it's going to be a ton of fun to read, a book to watch. I hope it succeeds. Exiles is just too good to not be around. Joe Patrick, batter up. Your turn. All right. My review for this week is Isola, number one from Image Comics, written by Brandon Fletcher and Carl Kershaw, with art by Kershaw, color art by Miss A.S.K. Mizasik. I guarantee that's how it's pronounced. Uh, oh, wait. No, I think we decided last time we saw the name that it was M. Sassy K. Yeah, M. Sassy K. M. Sassy K. <laughs> With letters by Aditya Bidikar. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. The captain of the Royal Guard has fled the capital city with the Queen of Mar, suffering under the effects of an evil spell. Captain Rook's only hope of returning Queen Olin to her throne and saving the kingdom from impending war lies on an island Half a world away, a place known in myth as Isola, land of the dead. The Gotham Academy team reunites for this fantasy project more than 30 years in the making. The pair met when they were little kids in elementary school. They bonded over their love of comics, and they've been building the world of Isola ever since. That is so cute. I know. I just wish that they'd put a little bit more of that world building into the actual comic. Don't get me wrong, Isola is a beautiful story. It wears its love of Studio Ghibli firmly on its sleeve. 
but practically none of the information in the solicit is conveyed in the actual content of this first issue. I'm not saying I need comic plots to hold my hand, but I felt like I came into the story with the second chapter. I was able to piece some of the story together as the as it progressed. Girl on the run, check. Traveling with her queen turned tiger to a fabled land, check. And I was able to enjoy the read after I got over my initial confusion. Not to discount the effort that Fletcher and Kershaw put into the story, but Kershaw's unbelievable art is absolutely the draw of this book. His thin, angular line work has tremendous detail and beautiful character designs. The body language and the expressive faces, they're just, they're masterful. And color artist M. Sassy K takes Kershaw's impressive work and breathes it full of life. From craggy hillsides to boggy marshes or lush forests, each scene is dominated by its own palette of blues or browns and greens. And even the letters by Aditya Bidikar do an outstanding job giving the dialogue and sound effects a look that's unique to this world. The art team truly comes together into something greater than the sum of its, of its parts in this book. Isola drew me in with its phenomenal visual style, gave me a bit of a struggle with an incomplete story, but ultimately won me over. I'm hoping that Fletcher and Kershaw expand on the backstory of Captain Rook and Queen Olin in the issues to come, but I'm definitely on board for the journey. I'm giving it a buy it. Okay, I have to disagree with you here. Not that it's oh. a bad book. I think this is, without hyperbole, one of the most beautiful-looking comic books I have seen in years. It is for sure stunningly gorgeous. I mean, it, it felt like... Like one of those old animated uh, Don Bluth films almost. It was soft and it was pretty and just like fleshed out and amazing. And I like that they didn't jump right into like, it is a time of whatever where these people rule and this horrible thing is happening and there's a strange race of this and a curse has been dropped. Like, I couldn't help but think of Meredith Finch's Rose, a book we reviewed at Image a while ago that also has a girl and a big cat in it, right? And maybe that's why I thought of it. But it's also set in a fantasy world. And the first thing they did was this giant narrative info dumps about the world and what was going on. And it was so fucking boring because it was just hackneyed fantasy. And this, they're very gently introducing you into the world. They're very gently introducing you to this character. And they let you figure out through the pages what is happening. And I was fine with it. It made me interested. It made me want to know more. Like, when they reveal what's going on with the girl's cat, I was like, oh, man, that's really clever and pretty cool. <laughs> but I, I like it. I like how I was gently led into the world. And I want to see more of this. I thought this comic was just amazing. I'm giving it a huge buy as well. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I did get over that. I, I did piece it together as I went, like you said. Yeah, it just and didn't bother me, I guess, at, at any no, point. No, I mean, I won't go so far as to say it bothered me, but, like, I read the solicit. Like, here, here's the pitch. Here's my book. And then you get nothing about, like, what the hell is this cat? Right. <laughs> and then you, re you read three quarters of the book before you realize, like, oh, that cat is a woman. Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, well, it says <laughs> in the solicit she's been cursed. Yeah. <laughs> she's under the effects of an evil spell. You're right, and that is a fair point. Like they they gently kind of ease you in, yeah, and they don't start it. I absolutely agree that it would have been it would have taken the wind right out of the, its sails if it had started with a text page, right, saying "Welcome to the land of Isola," 
where or, Queen or even uh, characters just narrating bullshit. You know, yeah, right. Like, see, it's not an info dump. It's this character just talking about the world for no fucking reason. You know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful book. It's beautiful. Like, I can't, I can't express enough how beautiful it is yeah. to look at. I think at the end of the year, this is probably going to pop up on a lot of best of you know lists. So watch for that. I guarantee it. So that is a double buy it for Exiles number one and a double buy it for Isola number one. We're going to post our written reviews of these comics over at Two Headed Nerd so you guys can fill them full of holes, make fun of us, and tell us just how bad we were, just how wrong we are about them. I mean, we're not great at reviewing. No, it's true. So let us know what you think, nerds. Let's hear your comments. You can post them over the THN forums. You can post them on our Facebook. Or you can just go outside and scream real loud and we might hear you. Try that one first. (laughs) In the aftermath of a disappointing WrestleMania. Again. Again. For Matt, much more than me. I've decided to lift the little guy's spirits after he watched yet another boring Lesnar versus Reigns match. Not only was it boring, it was gross too. Yes, it ended with blood pouring from someone's head. I thought Roman Reigns was going to die. Which left him bitching about it for a full week. I don't even like Reigns, but I was ready for him to be champion. Come on. I didn't watch it, so I don't even know who won. So let's all come together for this battle royale where every 30 seconds or so, Matt and I will invite another comic into the ring for a serious beatdown during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Watch, Butler. The saga continues. <laughs> Number one from Dynamite. <laughs> Writer Mark Guggenheim and artist Andrea Moody revive Bill Mantlo and Butch Geis's 30-plus-year-old space pirate series for reasons I can't even begin to fathom. I know, right? <laughs> but it's kind of fun. Andrea Moody does a fine job on the art. I did find myself wishing that Chris Sotomayor's colors had been a little bit more muted to match Geis's style. I kind of hope... they're very bright and saturated. I kind of hope Chris Sotomayor is the son of Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> Let's just say he is. Guggenheim's dialogue has every character literally talking like a pirate. Like, are there be a body floating out in them asteroids? Well, I think they did talk like that in the yes, old book. Yes, it's distracting to say the least, but that must be how the original series did it. Yeah, as I recall, they did. This is a fun and silly walk down memory lane, and if you had any affection for the old stuff, you'll probably like Swashbuckler. <laughs> the saga continues. I'm giving it a skim it. Brothers Dracul number one from Aftershock. Cullen Bunn is back writing more historical fiction, this time about young Vlad the Impaler and his brother Radu, as they grew up forced to live with a sultan that invaded Transylvania. This is the story of young Dracula with art by the incomparable Mirko Kolak, who just gets better every time I see that guy's work. Bun was made to tell these creepy stories. I'm absolutely on board for more. There is a wonderful last page here featuring a fucking terrifying looking vampire. I'm giving this a gigantic buy it. Tinseltown, number one from Alterna Comics. In the golden age of Hollywood, where large studios were basically treated as their own cities, I didn't know that, Oh yeah, Abigail Moore was one of the first female police officers. The problem is, she has no real authority in a place where she's treated as nothing more than eye candy. She's basically there to just stand around and look pretty and answer questions. Like me. Yeah, just like you. Yeah. That is the hook of Alterna's Tinseltown, and I thought it was really interesting. I did not know that stuff about... 
Hollywood Studios. Yeah, they had like a post office. They had like their own little like doctor's offices and like shit. a mayor even. Yeah. Writer David Lucarelli paces the story perfectly, letting us get to know Abigail and her and her motivations, and still making time to get to the action. I was really impressed with the art by Henry Ponciano too. The backgrounds can be a little bit sparse, and there may be a little bit of fudging with Photoshop filters, but I think he's got a great style. If you haven't checked out Alterna Comics yet, they've got some fun books. Tinseltown's one of them. Buy it. I'm going to drop a fudge in your Photoshop filter. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. There's a fudge in the Photoshop filter. <laughs> RoboCop Citizens Arrest number one from Boom. Back in 2014, when we got the big screen RoboCop remake, Boom Studios picked up the comic rights to America's favorite cyborg, and the people rejoiced. Flash forward four years, and neither the big screen relaunch nor Boom's RoboCop comics have lit the world on fire. But this time, one of my favorite writers, Brian Wood, is here to bring RoboCop back to greatness. Unfortunately, the story seems to pick up after some RoboCop continuity that I wasn't following and find a little hard to believe. The story is solid, and it takes a hard look at crowdfunded justice. But it's not what I was hoping from a RoboCop comic. I'm going to stick with it, but I'm giving it a skim it. Domino, number one from Marvel. Domino graduates to her own ongoing series, but I'm not sure if she's got enough character to merit one yet. Yeah. Gail Simone returns to Marvel and immediately digs up some of her old creations like Outlaw and even manages to squeeze in an appearance by Agent X. Great. Missed him. Yeah, right. Really? They even referenced like... At the end of that storyline, he got super fat for some reason, and they reference it in this comic about how he lost a ton of weight. Okay. <laughs> David Baldion's art is fantastic. He's really come a long way since his days drawing the Heroes Reborn Bucky comeback like five years ago or so. I like Domino, and Simone does her best to flesh out her personality, but she's always been such a great supporting player. Even after all these years, I just don't know if there's enough like meat on that character to warrant an ongoing. Yeah. But Simone has surrounded her with a strong supporting cast, and this issue did a good job setting her up for new readers. I'm going to give Domino a strong skim it for now, and I'm going to give the series a chance to win me over. I'm saying nerd bet, 12 issues, canceled. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not taking that bet. Oh, okay. I wouldn't All be right. surprised. Immortal Men, number one from DC. With so many beloved DC characters just waiting to get even a guest-starring appearance in the still newly relaunched DCU, it seems like a strange time to introduce a whole new team of heroes, but that's exactly what we get with Immortal Men, number one. Spinning out of the pages of metal comes this wholly new team of immortal men and women that don't seem to get along or have any bearing on the DCU as we know it whatsoever. Jim immortal Lee, Mans. <laughs> immortal Mans. Jim Lee and Ryan Benjamin did a great job on pencils here, and James Tinney in the four script was certainly fast-paced, but I found it hard to grab onto anything. Immortal Men gets a skimmit for now, but this title could grow on me. It just seemed like it was moving a little too quick for me to be even interested in any of these characters. In fact, I can't tell you a single one of their names after reading it. Captain America 700 from Marvel. This was a great anniversary issue celebrating 700 issues of the Star Spangled Avenger, give or take, using Marvel math. Mark Wade and Chris Somney give their Man Out of Time arc a satisfying conclusion, full of big moments and Somney's just tremendous art. I'm going to miss him on this book. Yeah. Then Wade repurposes some old Jack Kirby art 
and creates a fun 10-page story where the Red Skull six Batroc the Leaper against Cap in a gambit to learn the secret behind LMDs. I don't know where this art came from. Like, it was, like, for an unused story that never got published. But they just had the 10 pages of Jack Kirby artwork laying around. That's amazing. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, like I said, I'm going to miss the hell out of Somni, but Wade's return to Captain America has turned out to be a ton of fun. This issue is a definite buy it. Oh, yeah. Dead Hand, number one from Image. I walked into this one completely blind and ended up shocked at how much I enjoyed this Cold War era spy epic with just enough costume hero elements to grab your average cape fan. Kyle Higgins writes a story that's equal parts flashback and modern day with a Shyamalan-esque twist. Dead Hand was unexpected, very well written. I don't want to tell you guys anything about it because it is not what I thought it was going to be at all. You should pick this one up. I'm giving it a buy. Exciting. I'll read it today. Katouch! That is your ludicrous speed round hand. <laughs> and Katouch is the sound of Bizarro uh, having words with Superman. Okay. From the pages of Superman number 44. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Lord Stephen Fino, Master of Coin, on the THN Facebook page. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia just like Stephen, hit us up on any of our social media or shoot an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Ooh, after beating the hell out of eight new comics, it's time for Joe and I to step into the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where our manservant Chong is waiting with massive blunts and buckets of ice water for our bleeding hands. Joe. Tommy Chong? Yeah. Ah. While we soak our fists and smoke ourselves into oblivion, it is almost 420, Joe. It's coming up. Why don't we tell these nerds about our must-read picks for next week? I couldn't pick anything else. It had to be Action Comics 1000. Yeah. I want to take Wednesday off work just to read it, honestly. You can buy it at midnight. At some places. This is uh, obviously from DC Comics, written and illustrated by various. And when we say various. Everyone. It's a huge roster of talent. It's everyone. (laughs) Here's your solicit. Celebrate 1,000 issues of Action Comics with an all-star lineup of top talent as they pay tribute to the comic that started it all. From today's explosive action to a previously unpublished tale illustrated by the legendary Kurt Swan. Oh, I am excited about that. To the man of tomorrow's future, this very special oversized issue presents the best of the best in Superman stories. 80 pages, $7.99. That's like a penny a page or something. Something I don't like know. that. I'm super pumped for this. I'm I'm very excited. Uh, I am a little bit bummed that the main cover of Action Comics 1000 is not an homage to the cover of Action Comics number one. Yeah, that's but apparently a odd, Jim right? Lee just wanted to draw him standing in a pose with his underpants. Fair enough. Matt, what's your pick for next week, and why isn't it also Action Comics 1000? Because you picked that. My pick for next week is Black Hammer, Age of Doom, number one from Dark Horse. It's written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dean Ormston. 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. The Eisner Award-winning superhero saga returns, picking up immediately where we left off. Lucy Weber has become the new Black Hammer, and right as she's about to reveal to our heroes how they got stuck on the farm and can escape, 
She fucking vanishes. Now our new Black Hammer finds herself trapped in a gritty world filled with punk rock detectives, emo gods, anthropomorphic humans, absurdist heroes, and many more weirdos in a mad world in which there is no escape. Basically, Black Hammer is moving into the 90s, and I'm super excited. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe they dropped an F-bomb in the solicit. Yeah, you know, that's ballsy. But, I mean, that's Dark Horse, man. They're not fucking around. The THN trade of the week goes to Dark Ark Volume 1 from Aftershock Comics. It's written by Cullen Bunn with art by Juan Doe. Who sounds like it's a 132 pages for. <laughs> it's 132 pages for $14.99. Here's your solicit. Collecting the first five issues of the hit Aftershock series, the wickedness of mankind has moved the creator to destroy the world by way of the flood. Noah has been tasked with building an ark to save his family and the animals of the world, but this is not Noah's story. For darker powers have commanded the sorcerer Shrey to build his own ark and save the unnatural creatures of the world, such as the vampires, the dragons, the naga, and the manticore. But what will happen on a vessel crawling with monsters, where insidious intrigue and horrific violence are the rule of law? You read this. You I reviewed lo- number one on the show. I loved it. It was pretty awesome. I kept up with it, and it is a fantastic series. It really is. Like The plot sounds ridiculous, but it's so good. <laughs> it's evil Noah's Ark, and it is a ton of fun. Another hit indie book from Cullen Bunn. Yeah. That dude, he can't be stopped. He cannot be stopped. Joey, this sweet and sticky sativa has me feeling much better, and we're not even doing the 420 show until next week. So now that you've heard our picks... We'd love to hear about what you're reading or what you guys think we should be reviewing. Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter and tell us to read something. I'm serious here. Pick a book for us. I don't care what it is. Something you want to hear us read, something you're enjoying, something you hate. We'll barbecue it. Whatever. But we can't do it without your suggestions. It's been a while, kids, but Matt and I finally had the time to read a whole damn graphic novel. It's true. So that means it's time for the return of Take a Look, It's in a Book. For this edition of Take a Look, Joe and I sat down with Ryan Heshko's Mean Girls Club. This hardcover comes out in May, and it's 104 pages for twenty ninety five. which we often like to say, it's a hardcover, you know? Joe? Yeah, yeah. What did you think, and are you ready to get beat into the Mean Girls Club? Well, I don't think I qualify, but... Uh, here's, here is the, uh, I guess the solicit, if you will, I mean, from the back of the book. They could use like a toady or something, right? You know, they could kick oh, you yeah, out, sure. make yeah. you do stuff. I, I'd be a toady. The lascivious ladies of the Mean Girls Club have been raising a riot around town and the cops are onto them. Prepare for a mad dash of boozing, skull busting, and general mid-century mayhem as they deliver a swift stiletto stab to the crotch. Of the patriarchy. (laughs) It's so awesome. Um, So this uh, Mean Girls Club is a no-brow book, like you said. They also put out one of those – I forget the dimensions, but it's like the weird square-bound comics. Yeah. Uh, And I reviewed the Mean Girls one on the show some time ago. Yeah. And so they finally – Ryan Heshka's fleshed it out into this – really lovely graphic novel. The, the hardcover is, 
is really nice. It's sort of oversized. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, slightly oversized. No Brown puts out really high quality stuff, and this is like yeah. This is a, it's like, it's a hardcover with heft. It feels good. It's got like a wrapped cover. It's not just all glossy and soft. Yeah. You know, it's and it's really got that nice. kind of old style, uh, texture to the book cover. Definitely. Like an, like an old library book. Yeah. Um, I love it. I, I love this mean girls club concept. It's, uh, it's like you said, or as the, as the cover said, it's a kind of mid century. So like 1950s esque. Yeah. It's a very aesthetic. like Russ Meyer, faster pussycat kill, kill kind of feel to it, you know, where you've got yeah. rebel girls with filthy mouths, you know, and like, yep. there's one with drinking, an eye patch drinking and drugs. There's one named pinky and she's pink. You know, there's one named blackie and she's black. You know, and Yeah. So here's the, here's the, uh, the roster of the mean girls club sweets, uh, who is obviously obsessed with sugar. Yep. There's Wanda. Uh, She's a drunk. There's Wendy. She has one eye. Yep. Wendy's my favorite, the one-eyed one. Uh, Pinky is uh, all in black, actually. Yeah. Uh, And she's the leader, I believe. Well, sort of. Yeah, she seems like de facto leader. Uh, There's Blackie, and then there's McQuaylude. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fantastic name. Like like the 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 title shot, uh, the title shot of the of the graphic novel is this two page spread where they are busting out of their clubhouse because it's been surrounded by the cops and they have got like they're dual wielding guns and knives and like giant like captain caveman clubs yeah <laughs> uh, and just murdering police by the way <laughs> yeah oh yeah i mean they're they're vile they're filthy they're hard drinking hard living oh yeah uh they murder whoever crosses them and they don't care they take no shit uh and they take no prisoners and uh, I just think it's it's so much fun. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. It, I mean, it, it was very ridiculous male characters that are crude criminal sex beasts. Oh, like very sexist, yeah. Yeah. You know, you had like the creepy religious leader and like his like nun follower that were converting little girls and like st- keeping them away from the vicious Mean Girls Club. And the Mean Girls Club, they're not good girls. They're terrible people. But like the rest of the world has made them into these terrible people. You know, they could only be what they became because the male world is so gross and perverted and no place for a girl to be a girl. You know what I mean? Right. And just fun and ridiculous dialogue, tons of sexual innuendos. Like the boss is like this round pig shaped man who was a pervert back in the day. Yeah. Mayor Shlomo. Yeah. Like looking up girls skirts and stuff. And now he's like running the town and Oh, the the art was wonderful. It was sort of this Charles. It, Burns, it looks very golden age. Yeah. Tattoo flash sort of meets Charles Burns kind of, uh, what was the name of the guy? I can't say his name. He did. I shall destroy. Fletcher Hanks. Them. Yes, very much. I shall destroy all civilized planets. Yes, very uh, and much. Stardust. Yes, reminded me of Fletcher Hanks very much. So, but it, it was really well detailed, and everything was sort of there was this black, white, and pink color tone. That was it. There were yeah, it's no monochromatic. Other, yeah, uh, and it's it's not typical comic book layout. It's everything's kind of at an angle. Yeah, and it just uh, it's it kind of intensifies the the over the top nature of it. It also, yeah. and there's like no panel borders. So no, it's just like the art kind of bleeding into white and then starting again. It gave it like that 50 sort of movie, bad girl movie poster look to the whole yeah, film right. or to the whole book. Yeah. This was just fun. It was a quick read. I, I kind of burned through it. Yeah. it, it it's uh, like, it's, it's, 
it's big panels with like big dialogue balloons. So it's not, there's not a ton of, no, it's not a, a time investment, but it's just, it's a really good time. It's, it's a romp. All it is is them. a romp. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah, violent a, a romp, female yeah. gang romp. And it was fun. I really liked it. I'm yeah, giving it a buy and, it. Oh, it's a huge buy it for me. Uh, so look for this in, in May. Tell your retailer you want it. Mean Girls Club Pink Dawn from No, Bo- no Brow Press. It's a quality hardcover. Um, $20.95 for – I know we just said it was a real quick read. It's only 100 pages. But it's – it's more about the package. It's 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 a good it's about, looking it's, hardcover. It'll look and great it's on Heshka's your shelf. work. This is all one guy doing all of this, and he's oh, yeah, truly sure. masterful at what he does. And all the way, not just like the book itself, but the book design, like the inside cover has like all these little like knife, bomb, booze, and skulls, you know, like printed on it yeah. and shit. I mean, the whole you could literally take any panel of this and tattoo it on somebody, and it would just look badass, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think the the little press sheet that Nobrow sent along with the book said something about the author wanting to uh, to come up with a with a, a a fun girl concept that his daughter can look up to. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's a great time. It's a fun read. Absolutely, buy it. So that is a double buy it for Ryan Heshko's Mean Girls Club. Like we said, talk to your retailers and pre-order it now. It'll be out next month in a local comic shop near you. Excelsior! And that is it for THN 483. But before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, I need you to reset our new question of the week. This week's question comes from Lord Steven, Master of Coin via the THN forums. I love that guy. He says... I'm currently memorizing a Shakespearean monologue for a class that could easily be right out of a comic book. With that in mind, what is your favorite comic book monologue? There are so many Doctor Doom monologues I'm going to have to revisit because I love all of them. <laughs> That's going to be a tough I one. I immediately knew my answer. All right. THN is a listener-supported yeah. podcast, and we want to thank everyone that shells out their hard-earned cash they could be spending on comics here with us every week by supporting this show on PayPal, on Patreon. Without you nerds, we cannot afford our voice acting coaches to help us with our scary monologues. It's more work than you think. Yeah. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our pals Andrea Shockling and Aaron Myers who suddenly and unexpectedly brought back their excellent Comics Therapy podcast after a long hiatus. Jeez. Yeah. Where do you guys welcome back Get to your favorite podcast service and get some comics therapy today. It's an excellent show. Do it. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer just might hire the psycho man to be your therapist. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. He's got that remote where he can be like mean, yeah. scary, horny, hungry. Angry. You know? <laughs> Angry. <laughs> Ennui. And you're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs>